And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Uh, I don't think this is Al Melchior. Does this, does this show have a name? It is uh, the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast. It's truth and advertising. You don't have a sub, there's no sub name like the Alan DVR show? Nah. The Al Melky Hour? I like that. I think yeah. we, have a, we have a new name now. All right. <laughs> I'm going to remember that for the outro. Now we need a song. I think we can just do that. We don't, we don't need to check with DVR or anything. No, I don't think. DVR is not even editing this episode, I found out minutes ago. <laughs> when he's off, he's off, man. Good for him. <laughs> Al, what's up? Just uh, prep, you know, prep yeah. for a season that will maybe happen sometime. Do you feel better about this? I mean, like all the like I was reading, uh, you know, all the reports yesterday. I'm like, oh, actually, is a little maybe a little cause for optimism here. Yeah, I think little is the operative word there. I, I mean, maybe a slight bit better, move the needle, maybe just a tiny bit for me. But I don't know. Not and I feel like I'm I'm more pessimistic than the most. Like you know, I I think there will be a season. I'm not totally optimistic. It's gonna be close to a 162 game season and. I wouldn't be completely shocked if there wasn't a season, but you know, I don't know. I have no, no inside knowledge. So this is all just negative gut reaction. Well, I guess the, like the logical conclusion to yesterday where they're inching very slowly. I mean, I guess the players association isn't moving and the MLB people are a little bit at a time. It's like, what happens today? You know, like something's got to happen today. And then from that, something's got to happen tomorrow. And then maybe Thursday, like, all right, you know, this is okay. And then maybe we got something by Friday. And then maybe spring training, Al. Get excited. All right. Yeah, I, I like the optimism. Sorry, I'm not, I'm not bringing it. <laughs> yes, a, my very vague <laughs> prediction of how events will play out. All right, let's get to So you and DVR have been doing uh, the deep dives on depth charts. Um, deep, deep divisional uh, depth chart dives. That's a, that's a, lot, of, a lot of alliteration. <laughs> Doctor. Uh, so like, I didn't actually look at any, uh, I guess I could have, cause we all share the same document, but I just put a little twist on it with the, the AL central today, five teams in the AL central. And I gave us four categories for each team. One is uh, three, actually, uh, taking a shot on that's a player, you know, we'll be taking a shot on a mm-hmm. uh, player who will be on all my teams. You know, it could be anybody who's just going to be on all your teams because they fall to the right place or you feel like you should go the extra couple dollars on them. And then the Al Bold prediction and the Nando Bold prediction. So I think that'll get us to the same place as the depth chart dives, deep dives. Yeah, with, a, with just a twist. I like it, Daddy-o. Uh, right. <laughs> Here's a little break from the norm. Um, so yeah, so in the Central, we got the Cleveland Guardians, the Minnesota Twins, Detroit Tigers, Chicago White Sox, Kansas City Royals. Al, before we dive in, um, is this a very weak division to you, or is it one with like a lot of young promise that can surprise a lot of people? I think in between to to just completely weasel my way out of that question because uh, it's yeah, like it's just, we're not going to see we're not going to see wild card out of this division, right? 
Uh, I mean, probably not. Probably not. But I wouldn't completely, you know, rule it out. It's it's better division than it, than it's been the last few years because I I do like the Detroit Tigers. I mean, I think they're really really interesting. I think they maybe could could at least make a play for a wild card spot. Um, you know the the Royals are are I think getting a little bit better, and you know if we can see maybe some better pitching from their prospects this year than we did last year, maybe they can make a little bit of noise. I still don't understand exactly why the twins were as bad as they were in 2021. So yeah, I don't think it's, it's a totally awful division anymore. All right. Uh, we'll go with some, some degree of hope of uh, seven on the Al Hobometer. How's that too much? I I'd go six. All right. Fair. Um, we're going to get into the tigers in a minute. Uh, you and I, I think have very similar viewpoints on them. Maybe for the same reasons we'll find out, but uh, I want to start with the Cleveland guardians which is going to be impossible for me to say every time. Apologies in advance. Off to a good start, though. Yeah. <laughs> so the Guardians. Um, look like it's, I mean, you know, probably not going to contend at all this year. They got Miles Straw, who I you know, kind of forgot that they got. They made some of these late-season trades that uh, totally just blanked on. Ahmed Rizal, this is their this is their lineup, according to uh, Roster Resource on Fangraphs. Miles Straw, Med Rosario, Jose Ramirez, Fran Reyes, Bobby Bradley, Stephen Kwan, Andres Jimenez, Austin Hedges, and Bradley Zimmer. The rotation right now, according to Roster Resource, Shane Bieber, Cal Quantrill, Zach Plesak, Aaron Savale, and Tristan McKenzie. Al, let's start with you. Um, who are you going to take a shot on? Uh, well, yeah, this was a tough one. I, you know, notice that I didn't talk about the Guardians and talking about teams that maybe could be better than we're used to. I, I don't really like this roster very much. So I kind of just defaulted into a position that I've been in the last couple of seasons and put down Aaron Savali because he, he's not going to be a, a fantasy stud in that all of a sudden he's going to be helping a lot with strikeouts. I mean, maybe if he can you know, at least provide some bulk innings. He can help in that category that way, but he's just been a good contact manager and he, he wasn't really last season. So when I look at this rotation and, you know, obviously Shane Bieber doesn't fall into the category of somebody that you, you take a shot on, I guess, unless you're talking yeah. about, you know, second round maybe, but well, you, I mean, you know what you could though. I mean, I, I would have qualified that because people are down on him. They don't think he's ready to come back from injury yet. So I would have accepted that. Okay. The people, well, the people would have too. I think I'm just as cautious, though, with Bieber as probably most most people are. So I do think that, like, relative to to the community, I'm probably a little bit more up on on Savali. But the, I mean, this is just basically me wish casting a return to like 2019, 2020, um, more than anything that I you know see in the numbers. Like, oh, he looks like he's definitely due for a rebound and. Um, you know, and it's why I said 2019, 2020, I just double checked. He actually had a four, seven, four ERA in 2020. <laughs> who, remembers, <laughs> who remembers 2020? <laughs> right. uh, but he, he got bad up to that year. So, I mean, the skills were still pretty nice that season, but um, yeah, so that's really, I, I didn't really want to pick anybody. I almost put nobody. You could have put that. We could have talked about that. Yeah. I'm Next probably time. not going to have a lot of guardians on my rosters. <laughs> Al, uh, are you a believer though that like Cleveland? Because I, you know, you look at the Cleveland pitching and the, the pipeline and everything, and what they've done in the past. Um, are you a believer that he does he get like the Cleveland bump for you because he is a Cleveland Guardians starting pitcher? I mean, does I that think, give you a little more faith that he'll he'll return? Because yeah, it's so good. 
I think a little of that is baked into my my hopes for a rebound. But Fair. yeah, I know that again. The other Zach, please, like I got you know I went through this rotation and I thought, okay, you know Bieber, I'm not really that optimistic. You know, Cal Quantrill kind of is who he is. We know who he is now. Zach, please, Zach, he's been kind of all over the place. But do I have a good reason to expect there's going to be a a rebound in strikeouts there? Didn't really see a reason for that. So it's not like I'm. I'm really seeing that like there's a, a rising tide in this rotation. I think everybody's a question mark here. I mean, Bieber obviously with a higher, uh, you know, a higher starting point than everybody else, but McKenzie's, you know, I mean, McKenzie's obviously very, very interesting. Yeah. Well, I got him. I actually have Tristan McKenzie as my, uh, going to be on all my teams. I don't think I like, I think for what he offers with the, the high strikeout rate, the low ratios, uh, I don't think people are on him as much as they should be. Tristan McKenzie's being widely kind of I don't know, ignored. I don't know if ignored is the word. Shunned? Skipped over? Pushed down? What's no, the term, I, Al? I think you have several there that are that are good. Why yeah. is that? I mean, I think just, you know, doubts about what what you could get from him in a in a full season. Um I mean, he'll certainly, and I think there's no doubt about the strikeouts. We, you know, we saw that in his first full season last year, but you know, is is there going to be enough elsewise to, to make him better than the late round dart dart throw that he's been so far, Um, you know, coming off of the season with a four, nine, five ERA. And he managed that with a two twenty seven BABIP. So I think, you know, probably people are looking at that and looking at the relatively limited track record and, Thinking, okay, there's upside here. Maybe you can you can target him a little bit earlier, given that pitching gets super risky as it does every year. You know, once you get to the middle of the draft, if not before. But so I, I mean, I think you've got an argument there. But I he's two thirty six in NFBC ADP. Yeah. So I mean, I think there's an argument. I mean, let's if we look at this, um, and I'm going to do some toggling, Nando, because I do have the ADP up, but I'm looking well, at all. Well, so what are you doing the toggling? I, I'd like to counter your 4.95 ERA with this 1.18 whip. Huh? 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 Because I go to whip to me tells a truer story than ERA. Okay. Yeah. I mean that's fair. Um. I mean, but again, that's the 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 Babbitt rate skews that even more than it, it's skewing the the ERA. So true. Right. Yeah. It's just it's a question. I mean, it, it's just who are you going to take him over? So I, I've completed my toggling task here. And pulled up the the pitcher uh, the pitcher view instead, of just the overall view for NFBC ADP. And let's say you're going just inside the the top 200. Uh, Tarek Skubal, Mike Clevenger, Hunjin Ryu. Uh, you know, all three. A lot of variants right there. Tanner Houck. I would rather have Tanner Houck than Tristan McKenzie. I would rather um, have those first three names and then McKenzie than Houck. Okay. Actually, I'd take him over uh, Ryu, maybe. I, uh, Ryu's giving me weird vibes this year. But anyway, continue, Al. Sorry. Okay, but we're we're, kind of, we're sort of in the same place. Uh, yeah. I, I would rather have Hauk, but I think, you know, we're seeing him as maybe somebody you could you could reach for earlier than he's going. So, like you uh, said, 234. Yeah, there's there's something to that. I, I wouldn't take him over Hauk, but if we go just a little bit further, I wouldn't take him over Jose Urquidy. Joe Ryan, that's... You take Jose or boring Jose Urquidy ahead of Tristan McKenzie and his electric arm? Yeah, because I think maybe I like boring more than a lot of oh, people. That's fair. All right. do if, if, if I think there's going to be some innings coming with that. 
Uh, but but just behind Urquidy now, Joe Ryan and Anthony Desclafani. Ryan, you know, I think I I don't think he's gonna you know perform as well over the course of a full season as we saw with the call up last year. Desclafani, I mean, he's sort of boring, but I I feel like the the ceiling there is lower than it is with Urquidy. So now we're getting into a territory around pick two ten. So that's you know that's twenty four spots above where he's going. So I'll I, take I would, it. That's complimentary. I would, I would take that too. Okay. <laughs> All right. Reach for him around, says Al Melchior. There we go. Um, continuing on this uh, this depth chart deep dive, uh, the guy I'm taking a shot on is Andres Jimenez. I, you know, I guess I just have too much faith in his prospect ranking. Uh, I think last year, you know, everyone was just assuming he was going to start. A year ago, Al, everyone was like, "Oh, you know, Ahmad Rosario's got nowhere to play. He's going to he's irrelevant. Jimenez is this, you know, the starter, whatever, whatever." And you know, two weeks into the season, it was apparent that Rosario was better, and Jimenez went down, and whatever, whatever. But I do think Jimenez may not have batting average. I don't know. He's just young, still developing kind of guy. That's how I view him. So, um, I don't know. I'm not wild about him, but I I don't mind taking a shot on a guy who has developing power. You know, has 30 steal upside. And, you know, maybe he'll hit 268 or something. Maybe. Yeah, I don't think that's unreasonable. I, he should definitely do a lot better than the 218 that he had last season. I think the you know he hit uh, 263 in the short season 2020 back when he was a Met. And you look at the way he built that little bit above average Babbitt break for a, a speedy guy. That's, you know, he struck out more last year. But... Yeah, I I, yeah. You know, I think I think he's going to hit well enough, and he's definitely going to play defense well enough that he'll get his reps, and definitely could be a twenty steal guy. I tell you what, though, Al, if we're toggling, um, I'm looking at you know Spencer Torkelson at two sixty one, Jimenez at two sixty five, and Julio Rodriguez at two seventy. Even though I'm saying I will take a shot on Andres Jimenez, I will not if that's the crowd that's surrounding him. Like yeah, I will with- do whatever I can. Torkelson, I think, is going to be in a hundred spots higher by the time drafts roll around. And Rodriguez, I just, you know, that upside at that pick, if you're going between him and Jimenez, you know, if, if you don't already have your five outfielders and you're really scrambling for an infielder, then yeah. But I can't see another situation where you would take Jimenez over Julio Rodriguez, which uh, is what yeah. people are doing according to these ADPs. Yeah, that is that is a little surprising, and I, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see that change. Hold on, so. am I doing this right? Let me just make sure I got the right filter on. <laughs> let, me, let me just make sure before I spread some false information. Yeah, this is from February 1st to February 22nd, 2022, which is a mistake I make a lot, keeping it 2021. Yeah, I hear that. Yeah, you do that, right? I mean, it's hard. <laughs> anyway, all right. So that's uh, that's where we're at for the first couple of categories. Al, let's have your bold prediction. All right. Well, my bold prediction. Oh, I'm sorry, I never got to Emmanuel Clace being on all your teams. My bad. Oh, I got so could, excited about your bold prediction. We could we could do that pretty quickly just because I, I look up and down this roster and I just don't see anybody who's screaming like awesome value. Like I said, I was sort of half-hearted in my endorsement of, of Aaron Savali as a guy that I would, would be drafting. So, um, Emmanuel Clase is, or, I'm sorry, Classe. Um, right. Is, oh, is, my bad. Oh, okay. Well, go back. And that was, thank you for the subtle correction. Al. That was very nice. Of you. <laughs> I didn't even remember you saying that. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's so tempting to just say, you know, Clase closed. Yeah. Not as but, good as the Al Melky hour, but no, it's not. 
You expect I'll, it. I'll not be topping that on this episode or any episode. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, this is just, you know, somebody who legitimately will have a lot of a lot of value. I think last season showed that he's definitely better suited to close than uh, James Karen Chack. And uh, I don't see him being challenged for the role. And, you know, while he might not be as great for strikeouts as some other top top relievers, there's just not that many guys that you figure are, are going to be closers all season long, health permitting. And, um, you know, he's good enough to do that. And so that, that, you know, counts for a lot. So this is somebody I could see, you know, just drafting a lot because, uh, you know, compared to the other players on the roster, because if you're going to, well, first of all, if you're going to go the route that a lot of people are going in early drafts, which is go very, very aggressively for closers. I just don't see myself getting in the, the hater Hendricks, uh, scrum. Yeah, me either. I don't. So, no. so that's another. Yeah, so that's another reason why I think that you know, uh, Class A could wind up being on a lot of my, a lot of my rosters. You know, pick him up after the the others make that first bold move. Speaking of this bullpen, Al, uh, both of our bold predictions have to do with players who uh, who are currently slated for bullpen duty, and mm-hmm. I think we both took them out of the bullpen and put them in the rotation, just that based we- on what we, just based on what our predictions are. Uh, that we did, but I, you know, I feel like you kind of have to do that. Not, I mean, this isn't specific to Cleveland and not a knock on them specifically. It's just the way that rosters are constructed now and the way that pitchers are used that, you know, that even a healthy rotation is going to go six, seven pitchers deep. Um, obviously not at all times, but that sixth, seventh pitcher on the death chart is, is going to pick up some starts and some innings. Yeah. All right, let's go, Al. Your bold prediction. So bold prediction, yeah, right right into that trend there. I, I've got Eli Morgan with 10 wins nice. this year. Uh, you know, and I don't think he's going to be terrific, but, uh, you know, he, he did not get off to a good start when he first came up, but uh, in the second half, posting a 437 ERA. And given, you know, this rotation that, you know, I, I think that there could be, you know, health or performance reasons for um, – you know, those sixth and seventh or eighth pitchers to, to get some, you know, get, get a decent number of in, innings. And I think that Morgan could be good enough to, to just kind of stay in there, you know, while other pitchers kind of toggle in and out, you know, for whatever reasons. And I think he can sustain that, you know, four ish low fours ERA. And, you know, if he gets, you know, 120 innings or so that I, I think that's, I think that's good enough for him to to get into double digit double digit wins. Eli Morgan, a very impressive minor league career from Eli Morgan. And look, we saw this from like uh, Zach Plesac in this rotation came out of nowhere, right? It's not like Cleveland doesn't grab these people out of nowhere. You know, not every every pitching prospect has that big name. So the Logan Allen's falter and the Zach Plesacs pop up out of nowhere. Exactly. You know, literally uh, the Logan Allens, or at least this this particular one, uh, has not yeah, one has not fared very well so far. So I think Morgan's pretty secure in that sixth slot at the at the very least. And well, my, uh, yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Alice. No, no. I was just going to say, and I I feel like for the bulk of the time that he pitched last year, he showed that uh, you know he can can stay in the rotation as long as there's an opportunity for him to do so. You and I will be going head to head, I guess, in rooting because I have Anthony Ghost as having a hundred strikeouts this year, um, which doesn't necessarily mean. That he'll be a starter, I think. Like I think he can get a hundred. The way he's his K rate is so insane. You know, I think he'd only need, let's say, since we're being bold, seventy innings to get to that. Mm-hmm. 
So some spot starts, some long relief, and he's got 100 strikeouts. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely could be. I'm looking at projections now for ghosts, and the most optimistic one in terms of strikeouts, actually, uh, both Fangraphs death charts and uh, zips have him for 71 over 58 innings. Oh, so well, that's kind of a weak. My bad. I should have checked those first. No, I don't think I don't think it's weak. I mean, that's you know, that's 29 strikeouts away. So he needs to elevate the rate a little <laughs> bit, and yeah, right. That's 40 percent. And get above the yeah okay there you go yeah and no nobody's got him even with eleven strikeouts per nine so I could see him going a little above that and I mean where I where I have more questions is about the innings sure and him really you know uh, if he were to start really you know well says the guy who likes Eli Morgan you, we're you, taking all your innings you you have a good point there <laughs> no I didn't mean I meant you're trying to be. So pro Eli Morgan that you don't want Anthony Gosa. <laughs> All right, let's go to the there, Twins. <laughs> there could be room. Could be room for both. Let's get to the Twins. Uh, I think we maybe went a little long on the Guardians. I'm just looking at the clock, but who cares? This is good stuff, Al. Um, Minnesota Twins <laughs> kept their name the same in the off season. Uh, Al, who are you taking a shot on? Uh, Twins roster. Yeah, this one was a, a little more enticing to me. This one was actually really easy. Bailey Ober. I was looking at his uh, stats page a few days ago and had kind of forgotten like how solid his uh, his rookie season was. Uh, more than a, a strikeout per inning, fewer than two walks per nine. Definitely had a home run problem. You could expect that to to persist to some degree because he has been a fly ball pitcher all the way through his his minor league career, but. He's, he was giving up almost two homers every nine innings. I mean, you, you figure even with the fly ball tendencies, I mean, he's not in an extreme home run uh, home venue. So you figure just by that alone that you figure Ober's uh, going to cut back on that. That's going to help the ERA. Uh, the ERA last year, just a little over four, 4.19. And the, the estimators were not really in a, in a total agreement about that. But Sierra is the estimator that I tend to lean on the most, Nando. Okay, and they they had Ober at three point eight two last year. Nice. So yeah, that, that says to me that uh, you know that particular estimator definitely sees some some help coming in terms of the home run rate. And when you look at the you know again relative lack of depth in this Twins rotation, I don't see any threat to Ober's uh, innings. They're they're going to need him. And um, you know I if you look at those peripherals that the key is the the home run rate. And as long as you can keep the ball, the park, you know, something much closer to an average rate, you're looking at, you know, possibly a sub four ERA over, I don't know, uh, maybe 140, 150 innings. This is such an interesting team, Al, to me, um, under the surface. And like, you know, you're saying there's no threat. And I, I agree with you. Like, I mean, you're, you're even looking at the, the back end of that rotation and you look at their, their top minor leaguers and you're like, oh, you know, I'm not, I'm not really feeling like anyone is going to jump up and take that job. Um, I do like Jarrell Cotton though, as a long man. If you go to, you know, roster resource, obviously they got Jarrell Cotton slated as the, the long man out of the bullpen right now, mm-hmm. which, you know, I just, I think we worked together from 2012 to 2014. Um, and been friends ever since. I feel like Jarrell Cotton was in that CB, it was in that CBS era, but I guess not. That would have been, Eight years ago, and he's thirty. Yeah, I guess we'd have been coming up. Maybe he was. It's uh, caught in the early years. The the years the years kind of blur, Nando. They do right. 
but it, it does <laughs> seem like it's been a long time. Could yeah, could be. Yeah. Anyway, I just I, I just like seeing his name pop up. I think Tim Beckham's uh, non roster invitee for them. Um, they got some interesting guys floating around. Uh, anyway, so Bailey Ober, my my shot. Speaking of CBS, is Brent Rooker, mm-hmm. and it's because our buddy Herc, uh, who we worked at CBS with, Michael Herkham, CBS Herc on Twitter. If you really want to ride, um, he's he's gotten into collectibles and he's really gotten into cards. And he was showing me, you know, this is my Brent Rooker like area. <laughs> he's got. I think because he lives by wherever they spring train, but he's got like the autographed hat. He's oh, got a right. ball. He's got some cards. Um, and I look, you know, I, I was never on Brent Rooker, and Herc is actually a really good evaluator of talent. We're in the, S- the Scott White Dynasty League, all of us together, mm-hmm. and he I mean, he does well. He, like he's got a lot of when you go searching for prospects when you're ready to sell every year, you know, like every every June when it's like oh the deadline's coming, let me see what I can get from anyone. Herc's got like a bunch of good prospects every year, year in and year out. And it's more remarkable in Scott White because it's very hard to get good prospects because you can bid on them in the auction. Um, it's a keeper. It's a dynasty league, so you can bid on them for a buck. And, you know, in, in three years, they'll still only cost you $6, I think. Um, and then there's a draft, and the draft is built so, you know, you can pick whoever and you refresh if you if you move someone up from the minors. But you don't have to move anybody up from the minors. You can have guys who are three, four years, ten years into the majors as long as they were drafted in the minor league draft they remain in your minor league system. So long story short, I trust Herc's opinion on these things. And even though I don't like Brent Rooker's uh, batting average, I do like the power potential. Um, and I, I just trust Herc here. I'm, I'm willing to say like, hey, not, you know, I, I can listen to someone else. So that's so, my that's my monologue on Brent Rooker. I mean, the, the you know, I, I agree with all that assessment. I mean, the power is really enticing, strikes out way too much. But, you know, you could say that about a, a number of players who, don't lack for for at bats, but the, there's some some outfield depth here. So I'm just not sure he's going to amass enough of those at bats. But is this a situation, you know, sort of like we we're talking about with the Guardians rotation, where you know you just think that is is maybe the the fourth outfielder he's going to you know find enough time to to compile some stats. Yeah, I would assume. I mean, the, right now, roster resource has him in a platoon with Trevor Larnack, so. He could wrestle that one away from him, right? Maybe theoretically, yeah. Do it for Herc. Um, you're right, though. <laughs> All right, player's going to be on a bunch of our teams. I'm not going to wait. I mean, Jorge Polanco is just someone I'm going to be going that extra mile for. Basically, you know, I'll go like five or six dollars. I'm sure I'll get locked into a bidding war with someone else in a 15 team league who really wants him. But uh, I don't care. I think I'm ready to pay up big time for Jorge Polanco. Um, who'd you have? I had Mitch Garver. Because I just elaborate, please. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, a a little bit of a similar story to to Rooker, except with no playing time questions and and at the catcher position. And yeah, I I know that there's there are a good number of catchers who have raw power uh, and aren't necessarily going to help you in batting average. But um, Garver, first of all, maybe he does help you in batting average because. The, the strikeout rates have not been outrageous. I mean, they're they're worse than average, but they've been low enough that in the last two full seasons, he's batted above 250 in each of them. In fact, hit 273 in, in 2019. So might not be a liability in terms of batting average and um, just a, a lot of home run power there. And 2020 definitely, you know, DVR and I have talked about this, uh, Nando, where you know, we're trying to figure out still how to deal with 2020. Yeah. And whenever it looks like an outlier, I just 
pretty much disregard it. And maybe in some cases that's a mistake. Maybe, maybe <laughs> I do the same of, thing. No, yeah. I do the exact same thing. All right. Here, here's the barrel rate trend for, for Garver. So 2019, 15%, 2020, 8.3%, 2021, 17.4%. It's like, oh, okay. This guy's got an elite barrel rate. If you ignore 2020. Yeah. I, uh, I'm I'm so in on that with you that I just, I, I may overuse that a lot too. You know, like I've got, I've got this cough. I can't. It's like the next four days off of work. It's like I don't like what this guy looked like in 2020, so I'm just going to dismiss it <laughs> as if as if not caring about 2020. Basically, it's just there's just so many variables there with you know players' readiness, the the small number of games, um, everything just just being very weird. Even just worried about getting COVID. I mean, that was you know right. Yeah, that was just when you, you could get it and you could, you know, remember Clint Frazier was wearing masks during games and he was saying like, some of the coaches here are old guys. You know, a lot of us go home to our family. You know, they weren't in a bubble. So that can yeah. mess with someone. Pre, pre-vax. So there you go. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right. The Al Bold prediction. I don't feel like this is so bold and yet this is out of line with the the projection. So I guess it's, it's kind of bold, but I could easily see... Uh, Alex Karoloff batting 280 with uh, 25 home runs and uh, looking down the line at the the projections that are published on fan graphs. Nobody's got him for even 20 home runs uh, and nobody's got him for a 280, although um, a couple of systems have him in the 270. So that, that part's not particularly bold, but I just do think that there's, there's power upside here. Kind of gets back to, now I don't remember which player you were, I think maybe it was Andres Jimenez where you're saying you're, you're still just believing in the the prospect pedigree. Yes. And that's essentially what this bold prediction is based on, is just the the prospect pedigree of Kirilov because, you know, we, we he barely played in, in AAA, um, you know, missed, missed a lot of time. And so I, I still think that maybe the minor league numbers, which don't show a whole lot of power, um, you know, maybe don't reflect the, the power upside that's, that is actually there. I said, let's go bold and make it 31 home runs. 280 with 25 is like Grady size, more prime, you know, like let's go, let's go 31 and make him a power hitter. Well, you know, maybe I wasn't bold enough. And part of two, not just the the pedigree, but the stat cast, the stat cast numbers, uh, 12.8% barrel rate last year. And if you're thinking that that doesn't really look, you know, commensurate with the the numbers that he put up eight home runs and uh, 231 plate appearances, X slugging, has him at 541, which is almost 120 points above where he actually landed. There you go. So, yeah. I, yeah, let's make it 31. All right. Make, <laughs> make, make it bold. Um, mine was Dylan Bundy's going to have a sub 3.5 ERA. For me, it's, you know, he's done it once before in his career. He was supposed to have done it many, many times. I think Baltimore messed him up a little bit. Um, but he went to L.A. after Baltimore. <laughs> this is one of those 2020 numbers we're not going to throw out. Yeah. Dylan Bundy had a 3.29 ERA, uh, 2.95 FIP, and a 1.04 WHIP with a 9.9 K per nine. For me, it's a change of scenery. That's all. You know, I I went up and down this. You know, when you had trouble with Cleveland, like I was looking at Minnesota for like a bold prediction, and I didn't really have much. That was the best I could come up with. Well, you you want a reason to take that 2020 seriously? Let's let's do the barrel rate trend for him. Yeah. 2019, 5.3%, 2020, 4.6%, 2021, 10.3%. Outlier. I like it. 2020 <laughs> it is. 
<laughs> I do sure think there's something to year. this. Three three fifty seems you know optimistic to me, but again, that this is bold. You know, got to be is, bold, right? Yeah, you can't bold. say his sub four ERA. No one cares about that, Dylan Bundy. <laughs> but yeah, I think you know he could have more of a rebound than the projections uh, are are looking for him. And you know that's that's the job of projections to kind of find the safe, safe, reasonable space in the middle. But you know they've all got him mid to upper fours, yeah. and you know I don't see any reason why he couldn't be uh, closer to four. Look, worst case. Uh, you'll get a lot of strikeouts if we're wrong about this. If Al and I are wrong about this Dylan Bundy sub 3.5 ERA, then uh, you'll, get a bunch of, you'll get a strikeouts at nine, at least nine per nine. So you're welcome. Yeah. Those were down last year, but again, could rebound. <laughs> Come on, Al. <laughs> <laughs> you want to bring Kirilov up to 35? I will. I, I, um, I, I can't be that bold. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Okay, the Detroit Tigers, Al. We, uh, we teased them early on. And uh, I think I don't know how you – know, you and I reach the same conclusions, but sometimes through different means, uh, which is why I'm very interested to see where you're at. Before we get into who we're taking, uh, what's your take on the Tigers? Is this – is this uh, an amazing pitching staff that no one's recognized yet with underrated hitters? I think it's something like that. I mean, I, I do think people are, are you know, recognizing the, uh, the potential of this pitching staff. I mean, you know, we saw them take a big step forward last year with uh, Mize and Scooble in particular. Uh, I, I know uh, I'll, I'll leave it to you to talk about Matt Manning, but I know that you, you know, you're not alone in having some, some higher hopes for him this year. Spoiler and, alert, Al. Come on. Uh, that's all right. All right. Haven't haven't totally given it all away. <laughs> okay, sorry. And uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, uh, you know, sharpening that uh, the, the the top of that rotation. Uh, so, Al, you're really uh, learning into you. I mean, like you mentioned it, I thought jokingly, but you really are leaning into this boring thing. Like I can't think of a more boring pitcher than Eduardo Rodriguez. I what do you call it? like what? Because I, I leaning is too active. Like I I've been leaning. Al Melkibor. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, another potential name for the show. So, yeah, I, I think that the, the pitching is maybe not that much of a, of a secret, but, you know, I, I think there's obviously room there for it to be even better this year. And then, yeah, you've got, you know, Spencer Torkelson, uh, you know, spending probably the, the bulk of the season and uh, a lineup that, you know, got more interesting last year with Robbie Grossman hitting a new level. And, you know, we'll see if he can keep it for another year. Akil Badu is the, the rule five guy. Uh, it's it's an interesting lineup. And, uh, I you know, I this is not a player that I wrote down for any of our categories, but I am also sort of intrigued by Derek Hill. Even oh, wow. Right All right. Now he, you know, kind of slots in as a, a fourth outfielder. So there's there's some depth. There's some young players here. There's a oh, uh, Javi Baez in the in the thick of it. Yeah, offensively. Yeah. So it's just yeah, it's it's it's. I like this kind of team. That's kind of you know, it's a it's an exciting time uh, when you've got these up and coming players and the front office is making some moves to you know help them out with some some solid veterans. And uh, your manager, and, your manager's won World Series. Is yeah, I mean, there's just uh, I think a lot a lot to be excited about here. All right, let's get to our categories then, Al. Uh, you're going to be taking a shot on. I put Isaac Paredes. This was one that was, uh, again, maybe a little bit of a stretch for me because when you talk about you know taking a shot, I think of that. I mean, we talked about Shane Bieber maybe being in that category, but generally, you know, we're talking about players who are late round, maybe even reserve round, and. You know, there are a lot of exciting players that I, I don't necessarily think I'm like ahead of the curve on. So I think Paredes is, is one of those, you know, up and coming, you know, young players who I think could be better and play a bigger role than is being given credit for in terms of ADP and, and projections. I mean, he's got has not shown any any power at all in limited major league exposure, but I think there could be uh, an uptick there. And obviously he's got the great plate discipline and. Um, you know, maybe you could be somebody who's, who scores a lot of runs, somebody who could be really valuable in, in OBP, maybe, you know, winds up hitting for average. So not, not an all around player, but I think somebody who you could get late, even in some pretty deep leagues who, who could be very helpful. I'd really like to see, like this team has, I mean, Fred is fine, but like Robbie Grossman or Akil Badu who can hit at the top of this lineup and whoever wins that battle and maybe they end up one, two. There's gonna be there are a lot of runs to be scored there. There, I mean that's that's a 100 run player there that is gonna go relatively cheap in a lot of roto leagues. Yeah, yeah, you know, and uh, Grossman's interesting because I'm not necessarily believing in him sustaining the the gains that he had last year, but you know, even with a little bit of regression, just the the placement near the top of the lineup that makes makes him pretty intriguing. Uh, my guy is Daz Cameron, and I, the batting. I mean, this is not like, which is weird, like. These players I'm taking shots on, um, don't get it confused with the players I really like, uh, because the, like this trend of players I'm taking a shot on, they all have low batting averages, um, and that's not usually where I go. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Daz Cameron, like I mean, throughout the minor leagues, he's he's got you know, flexing a little bit more power, and you know he's established himself as a speedster. Um, really, the batting average is, I mean, if you're not playing points league, you're gonna get the strikeouts, whatever, whatever, but. Uh, you know, if you're just talking straight roto categories, um, I think Taz Cameron's got. A sh- I mean, he's, he's I don't want to say 20, 25 potential, but I think if you if you realistically put him in for a full season, which I don't think you can do anyway, right here. But mm-hmm. if you do, you're talking 
1825 potential, I think. I don't know what the batting average is. It's not going to be 194. It could be 250. But it's interesting. You put him in that lineup, and you know you got a couple guys here who have hope in that lineup. That's you know RBIs and runs are going to just they're going to count. So I don't know. Daz Cameron to me is someone interesting who I might just at the very 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 end. We're talking like draft champions. Take a shot on him. I like it. I like it, Nando. And I, yeah, I do think center field is pretty wide open here, and I like the other candidates as well. I mean, I we we talked about or I talked about Derek Hill. I've liked Victor Reyes. Seems like maybe he took a little step back last year, but that's probably one of the bigger obstacles for me being as high on Cameron as you are, is that I just don't see him necessarily being, you know, the obvious guy to, to rise up top out of that uh, center field group. But it, you know, it's not like Reyes or or Hill are, you know, these impenetrable uh, obstacles to regular playing time. That's it. Whenever anyone comes up with that, I'm like, you know what? Adelis Garcia. Like yeah. forever, that guy has like established for the next five to six years any wild idea we might have on playing time and someone getting playing time. Like Jonathan Singleton is a 50th round pick for me in draft champions because of that. Like you just never know how things are going to shake out. Someone has a good spring, a couple of guys get injured, and boom, Jonathan Singleton's your DH for the Milwaukee Brewers. So all it takes a couple things for Daz Cameron to be the starting center fielder. Yeah. And then you, you suddenly you've got a, a power speed option that, not very many people are looking at right now. There we go, Al. Uh, <laughs> the uh, the player who's going to be on all your teams, for me, it's Matt Manning. His, I was actually looking at ADP, toggling. Um, he's all the way down. So I guess when I drafted him, I got him at pick number 393. Right now he's down to f- – he's 485 overall. He's on average pick number 560.19. He's gone down, somehow gone down from the time I did this a month ago, this draft, 167 spots, which I find absurd. I thought he would go. I thought he was going to be a helium guy. Yeah, I, I have no expl- I have no explanation for that. But, um, it you know I I feel like that the the those ADPs could actually be even lower given just how utterly miserable he was in in AAA last year, and I understand that you know he actually did most of his pitching uh, for the Tigers. And, you know, somehow was, was actually better at the big league level than at triple a, but it's, you know, those peripherals were not, were not terrific either. So, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, banking on, on him putting things together this year. And given the, the weirdness of the last couple of years, I I don't think it's a bad play. I mean, you, you know, you look at the numbers prior to 2020 and, you know, they, they were pretty promising. So. You know, why not for a guy who's who's uh, just turned 24? Yeah, right? I mean, come on. He was supposed to be the best of the three, I think, at some point. Hey, definitely in the same breath, and, you know, uh-huh. that's that's good enough. All right, Al, who'd you have? Who's going to be on all of your teams? Uh, I put uh, Javier Baez, and that's a little bit biased. Uh, no no pun intended. I was, all right. Um, <laughs> I was going to take that one if you weren't. <laughs> by, uh, by, the, by my early mocks, because I've wound up with him. And I think it's just... And again, you know, I mean, I like the fact that you've got Bias, who's very likely to be hitting in the middle of this really dynamic batting order. But I think it's just more sort of like I was talking about maybe winding up with Class A a lot because I don't see myself getting Hader or Hendricks. I, I look at the the shortstop landscape and see how deep it is. And in the mock so far, I've waited on shortstop and, and Bias is who I've wound up with. So I'm perfectly happy to get the the speed, power, batting average potential that that he brings 
and um, you know, at the same time, not not take a shortstop early. Thirty-one homers and eighteen steals, even with that trade to the Mets. That's, I mean, and I think people think he's older than he is, like he's thirty-three and broken down, but he's twenty-nine. You know, Al, he's still he's still prime. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no reason why he couldn't repeat last year, this year. Al, let's get to your bold prediction, which I love. <laughs> uh, Tarek Skubal will be a top thirty starting pitcher. I don't. I'm I'm surprised at where Skubal has been going so far, and I don't know. You know, if we talk about you know going for pitchers because of all the the uncertainty and inconsistency and health risks that that are in the pool. Um, I mean, I. Scoobles going within the top 200, but just, just barely. And you look at how dominant he was at times last year. Now, of course, the, the flip side of that is that when he wasn't being utterly dominant, he wasn't very good. He was giving up a lot of home runs. But, you know, uh, as a young guy who was a top prospect, I, I think he can figure it out. I think he can get more consistency. And at the very least, if you, you know, you look further up the, further up the rankings, like why, why is he going 20 spots after Michael Kopech? Um, when we haven't really seen, you know, Kopech go, go deep into games on a regular basis. Um, why not take a flyer on Scooble over Sonny Gray? Um, you know, who at this point is, is kind of boring or, or Marcus Stroman. So, yeah. Um, How about Mike Clevenger? Mike Clevenger and Scooball in, in February ADP are right next to each other. Yeah. 195. That's tough. I don't mean to put you on this. You don't, you don't have to pick one. Uh, well, I, you know, I think it's, it's it's a good question. I mean, for at that ADP, I, I probably am going Clevenger, but yeah. I mean, I also just I think it maybe be maybe I'm kidding myself, but I think it'd be less controversial to say, hey, Mike Clevenger could be a top thirty starting pitcher. I, I don't think people would blink at that, right? Because he's done it, right? Scooball hasn't done that yet. He hasn't had that Clevenger season yet. Yeah, but yeah. I think he could as soon as this year. Nice. Uh, mine was Spencer Torkelson who hit thirty five home runs, which. I'm starting to think I should have said 40. I don't think 35 is bold anymore. It seems like everybody's on Spencer Torkelson now. Yeah, but, you know, rightfully so. Right. I mean, there's nothing wrong. He's going to be amazing. Uh, someone actually tried to get him from me in our score sheet league for not a lot. Not a lot. I, and I'm I, guessing... conver- I didn't even write back. Oh, man. That's a statement, Nando. <laughs> All right, let's keep. We've, we've, we're going to go over this time here. This is getting long, so we got the White Sox and the Royals still to go. I put the Royals last because they're who cares, right? Like Royals don't really have much to choose from at the uh, moment. But that's what make, makes them a little bit interesting. All right, that's all right. Then we'll get, let's blow through the White Sox then. Um, <laughs> I'll be taking a shot on Gavin Sheets. I'm intrigued at what he did last year with double-digit home runs and not a lot of at bats. Uh, he's you know does have a history of that developing power in the minor leagues. I don't know. I don't. You know. Again, don't love him. He's not like a Nando guy, but I think I will take a shot on Gavin Sheets at the right price at the right time in the draft. Al, how I about will, you? I will help speed this along, Nando, because I know that I wrote down Andrew Vaughn, but yeah. I I wanted to write Gavin Sheets, but I thought we could have well, done both. But that's fine. <laughs> so let's do both. You know, because I I do love that power potential, and you know, Vaughn just you know does not seem to be whatever in, in Tony LaRusso's good graces and um, that the playing time's not a given for him. So maybe Sheets gets, gets the shot to, to play regularly and we see more of that, that power. I've got So I've got split rooting uh, coming up because Yolbert Sanchez is my new obsession. But uh, we'll get to him in a second. The player who's going to be on all my teams, for me, it's the guy who just crapped on, Michael Kopech. Uh, 
<laughs> I don't know why I just made him very Eastern European. Michael Kopeck. Uh Al, who do, who do you have? Uh I have Dylan Cease. This was a tough one because, again, I mean, it was kind of hard for me to find a player on the roster that I feel like, oh, I'm, I'm going to wind up with this player because I'm so much uh, more optimistic than everybody else is. But, you know, I, I just I, I like where Cease is going uh, so far in, in early drafts. And I mean, I, I buy the breakout last year. So I, I think for him to be uh, going, uh, he's going uh, 83rd currently in NFBC uh, ADP and, you know, behind uh Joe Musgrove behind Jack Flaherty, Max Freed. I, I like, I, maybe I am ahead of, of, uh, ahead of the crowd on cease. Cause I'd rather have cease than any of them. I think I would rather be ahead of the crowd than behind it. Al. Depends on the player. There you go. Yeah. Uh, the Al bold prediction. Would you, would you, oh, by the way, I appreciate your use of, uh, accents in the, in the rundown that no one's ever going to see. Uh, like dedication. <laughs> that was really great. <laughs> practice, Nando practice. And, and you see it. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And I do appreciate it. All right. Well, uh, so I've, I've got Yoan Moncada not even cracking the, the 15 home run mark uh, when the, the projection systems uh, all have him uh, like right around 20. Not super bold, but I think that that maybe shows that there's a conventional wisdom that last season was a, a power outlier for, for Moncada and, and there's definitely an imminent rebound, but let's play the uh, barrel rate uh, trend game again, 10.8% in 2019 year of the rabbit ball um, last season, 6.2% or I'm sorry, 2020 6.2% last season, 8.2%. So really sort of middling power the last couple of years. And, and that rabbit ball year is his only year with a double digit barrel rate. So maybe projection systems are are building that season in with just a little bit too much weight. What uh, what do you think his line will be when it's all said and done? I think like, I just want to know if there's going to be some balance here, or if this is going to be a bad season for Mankata. I think what you got last year. I, I think what you saw is what you get. Maybe a well, yeah. I was going to say maybe maybe a slight rebound, but you know, really. I think that's pretty spot on. So I think you're looking at, you know, probably about a 260, 265 average, right around 14 home runs again. Uh, you know, run his run production last year, 74 runs, 61 RBIs, maybe a little bit better there. Projection systems generally have him scoring more runs and driving more in. Um, but I, I think, yeah, maybe just a very, very slight uptick from last season. All right. Um, mine was a. Mine was, well, Gilbert Sanchez <laughs> will get 450 at-bats. Um, I know this is like probably going to be the Larry Garcia job, but I don't like I just look at Gilbert Sanchez and where he is in his career and how he's you know played in Cuba for a while. He's a little bit older. His batting average, his, uh, his on-base percentage is amazing. Um, there's just, you know, you can't keep a guy like that down for too long, and I know they did it actually with your mean – this is the same team that did that to your mean Mercedes, um, but I, I don't know if they're going to make the same mistake twice. This is – he just looks too good. You look at his numbers, and there's not like a huge, impressive power display. Um, he didn't steal like he's never stolen more than five bases. It's not like that 25 stolen base season, but he's a hitter, man. That average is very, very good. Um, and you know, older seasoned. I just think he's going to find a way to get a bunch of at bats if it's a utility guy or, or whatever. But I think he's going to find his way in the major league roster, and he's going to get a bunch of at bats. So I've got Yolbert Sanchez getting 450 at bats. I love this. I love I this. So. Um, yeah, and I mean, you know, first I thought Nando going against Larry Garcia. 
<laughs> I can't believe this. It hurt. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm he sure got paid. it did. You know, he got paid, so I'm happy. He's, he's good. <laughs> but yeah, I, you know, I, I don't know that I feel comfortable saying that it's, it's, you know, it's Garcia's job. Like, I just don't know that he does offer enough defensively for them to, to put up with the mediocre offense. And then, yeah, you've got this 24 year old with, you know, terrific plate skills. Um, I mean, maybe not a great eye, but you know, great contact skills. Um, he's intriguing. I, I, I like this call. Yeah, it's, it'll be fun. It's winter, and you can now get almost anything you need for the coldest months of the year delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a ski slope delivered, but you can get dish soap delivered. Sunshine, that's a no. But a bottle of wine, that's a yes. A snow angel, sorry, no. But angel hair pasta, Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol and select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. To the Royals. Let's wrap it up, Al. Uh... I'll, uh, you know, we, I think we're both taking a shot on very kind of similar-ish pitchers. I've got Jackson Coar, and you have Brady Singer. Your, your guy's more interesting <laughs> and definitely more upside there. But I, do, I feel like mine's more obvious. Yours is like, oh, why, you like Brady Singer, huh? I really do like Brady Singer. I think this is a guy that I know that this is um, not the, the, the question, who are you going to wind up uh, having on all your teams? But I think maybe he could have been the answer to both. Because I just, this is a guy who's really being ignored, you know, coming off of a season where he had almost a five ERA. And I like the skills. I like the skills. I mean, this is now two years in a row where he's been absolutely elite at freezing batters. And it's not like, you know, he doesn't get whiffs either. So, I mean, the, you know, the strikeout or a strikeout per inning or more, I think is, is sustainable, you know, not not necessarily a great park because uh, you know there could be doubles and triples at, at Kaufman, but a good park you know to really avoid the big damage with the home run. And uh, over the the two seasons I've pitched, Singer has a barrel rate that's below six percent, which is also pretty much elite. So I, it's just a, a nice combination of indicators from his first two seasons. And last year he you know he did give up too many line drives. He got babbipped. He he uh, had a little bit of a strand rate issue that that might not have been his own doing. And I think he could really surprise people. I, I mean, we heard Brady Singer's name being bandied about, I want to say back in our CBS days, Al, but that wouldn't make any sense. Probably not. It's yeah. nice to imagine, but... <laughs> I'm just revising history. But I mean, like we've heard his name for a while now where I think like, you know, he's not quite yeah. Bubba Starling, but, you know, we've, we've gotten used to seeing that name. Yeah. And I, I think we will see it more this year in a, in a positive light. Nice. Uh, Jackson Cower. I mean, like you can just look up his numbers. He's pretty good. You know, nothing, nothing that's gonna blow you away. But uh, he's at like six hundred something ADP. So at that point, you might as well just be like, yeah, let me grab this guy in case he's a starter in the rotation and you know strikes out nine per inning, nine per nine. Um, why? let's go to. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Al. Yeah, I was just say why not? Yeah, why not? Player's gonna be all on my teams. Uh, for me, it's Chris Bubich 
which I think that's how you say that's how I'm going to say it. Michael Kopech <laughs> and Chris Bubich. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So I was just going to go ahead with you. I mean, we've seen him. I, I think if you look at his minor league numbers again, his ratios were super low. Uh, he just hasn't been able to put it together yet for a long enough stretch in the majors. He did have a nice little run at the end of last year, or maybe it's 2020. But anyway, Al. I've got Whit Merrifield. I feel like this is kind of a boring, obvious answer, but sort of like I've um, justified some of my responses with the other teams by looking at the, the, the shape of the of the position of the player. I just look at second base and I, I just want to get in on that early, you know, while I can afford to wait out shortstop. I don't feel like I can afford to wait out second base for very long. And, uh, you know, Merrifield could, could get you uh, a, a lot of steals, uh, you know, into your lineup, uh, you know, fairly early in the draft and free you up to, to pursue, pursue a different balance uh, in, in the later rounds. Well, I mean, he could also, he's going to be hitting the top of lineup. That you might think like Kansas City, whatever, but uh, I mean, Nicky Lopez is slated. This is roster resources. Nicky Lopez is slated behind him. Then Salvador Perez, who um, hit 48 home runs last year. Andrew Benintendi, who was maybe better than you remember. Uh, Bobby Witt Jr., who we all assume will be there and will be banging the ball out of the park. Adalberto Mondesi, Hunter Dozier, Kyle Isbell, and Michael Taylor, um, you know, depending on how you want to work that back end of the lineup. So Whit Merrifield's maybe like a 100 and. 15 runs scored prospect I think could be right I mean he can score a lot, a lot of runs and you're already I mean you like what Merrifield anyway for the you know the home runs and the steals obviously the steals more you know he's going to be steady and average I mean you look at Kansas City Royals you don't think runs but he could be a run machine yeah and that's a, runs Al yeah that's the thing I mean I think sometimes people underrate players on teams that they think are going to be bad uh and I just you know I think about Freddie Freeman on the the bad Braves teams. Yes. Uh, still putting up numbers. So I think, I think Merrifield can do that this year. Uh, the Al bold prediction, which again, on, on the face of it probably doesn't sound very bold at all, but I've got Salvador Perez hitting 45 home runs this year. And, you know, after 48, that might not seem like a big deal, but <laughs> only one projection system. And that's the, the bat, um, has him at uh, at forty, and the bad X has uh, Perez at, at thirty five, which is pretty much in line with the other the other systems. So you know everybody's kind of looking at a pretty major um, you know revision there, a pretty major re- regression of of the home run power. But let's play the twenty twenty game again. Thirteen point nine percent barrel rate uh, that season, sixteen point three percent last year. So it looks like there really was a step up in twenty twenty. That's that's hard to just wave off. Because he, you know, repeated it and then some in a, in a full season last year. So 2020, he was coming back from the surgery still, right? Yeah. Which makes it even more impressive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and finally, uh, my bold prediction for the Kansas City Royals, Nicky Lopez steals 30 bases. Again, I guess I should have consulted the projection machines like, <laughs> like you've been doing all show to see how bold that is. But in my brain, I don't think anyone out there is thinking that Nicky Lopez is even like a 15 steal kind of player. In these drafts, when you talk about, you know, I need to get some speed, no one's mentioning Nicky Lopez. Like, oh, get Nicky Lopez. He'll get you, you know, he stole 22 bases last year. So I think pegging him for 30, uh, you know, full-time duty, I, I think he can get to 30. I think he can do it. Uh, yeah, I, no, I, I like that. I, I think that he's a polarizing player because I've heard people, like, in the chat rooms of my mocks be really excited about him and people who are, like, really dismissive and, you know, think people that do not year. like Nicky Lopez. They do not like him. Uh, some, some do. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that the consensus probably is to, 
to disregard what he did last season. Which is garbage. I mean, he's going to play three positions. He's eligible at three, I believe, in most leagues. He's only 26. You know, because he's what? He's a light hitter. Is that the problem? I think so. And, and just that he wasn't really offering much fantasy wise before last season. And yeah, you know, I think he, he came up with some fanfare, you know, people thinking he was going to be like a batting average steals guy. And then he wasn't, but then he was, but people maybe already had it in their minds that that just wasn't what he was going to live up to. It also might be in my, uh, in our OOTP league that we ran during the 2020 uh, stall pause. Nicky Lopez was putting up like MVP. He was, I think he was MVP type numbers through like two thirds of the season. I don't know if you remember that, Al, but like Nicky Lopez on the leaderboard for almost everything. Uh, I had forgotten that, but that's right. Yeah, he was a monster. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The OOTP engine loves him. Yeah. Well, you know, I, t- I talked about this on some uh, previous episodes. I know I talked about with DVR with uh, when I ran the Astros in that simulation and, and how Chaz McCormick had a not only had a performance that was very similar to what he actually did last year, but the, the timing of it, like coming out strong and then regressing <laughs> gradually as the year went on, like was like exactly what he did in the sim. <laughs> Who knew? OTP knows too much. Yeah, <laughs> it's scary. Um, so that that is your American League Central. Um, we hope you enjoyed it. I mean, obviously check out roster resource for any holes that we may have here, but uh, you know that we didn't talk about. But uh, it's an interesting division. Al, give me the predicted order of finish and let's get out of here. Oh man. Uh all right. Well, they got the got the White Sox first. I'm gonna be I think Philly gets bold, but it, uh put put the tiger second. I like it. Yeah, and then I'm gonna say then twins, then Royals, and then Cleveland. It's tough because you like you look at that Cleveland lineup, and I know people think it sucks, but I also like I look at it, I'm like, there's some potential there, man. They got some young bats. That's and then you know they always do well pitching. It um, seems like they always do better than I think they're they're going to. So that last place prediction is probably not gonna not gonna age well. Yeah, but I mean, like we just looked at Kansas City and their lineup solid. You know, we looked at Minnesota and they're you know they're good. Um, it, I feel like maybe this would be like Chicago with a ten and a half game lead. You know, in, in halfway through the season with everyone else right around five hundred, maybe probably not. I think that sounds crazy if if you are like most people and don't like the Guardians, but I think they got, I think they got something, man. Yeah, no, that that actually sounds that sounds really reasonable. Let's go wild card Tigers. I'm in. All right, uh, thank you everybody for joining us. Uh, I'm sorry I'm not DVR. You know, no one is. But <laughs> this has been the Al Melky Hour with Al Melkier, and you can find him on Twitter at Al Melk CBS. And I'm Nando CBS. And it's been a- <laughs> <laughs> Don't look don't look for those addresses. Anyway, thank you all for joining us. We hope you enjoy we hope this is helpful. You hope you uh, you enjoyed it and got something out of it. I don't know which division is up next. Al probably does more than I do because I won't be here. But uh, you know, keep listening, keep subscribing, keep liking. It's much appreciated. Bye.